Hello from Gimlet Media. I'm Lisa Chow, and this is Startup. This season, over the following six episodes, we're focusing on a fascinating and highly controversial founder, the former CEO of American Apparel, Dove Charney. If he got ran over by a bus and had no legs, he'd show up to work the next day with a phone still on his ear, you know, in a wheelchair. What happened between you and Dove that compelled you to sue him? That's something that I cannot comment on today or any day. And, and why, why exactly can't you comment on it? I'm not at liberty to. I've been silenced. He, like, totally believed in me, and I feel like me, along with a lot of other young people, especially young women, had, like, he totally empowered us to believe that we could do this. I just felt really, really grateful for the experience. He has thousands of employees. They could quit at any time, but they don't. They cheer when he walks down the halls. His products are massively popular. They've made hundreds of millions of dollars. And he knows he's not doing the exploitative things in the third world that many other people in fashion are doing, right? So all of these are positive traits. You preach that you care about your workers. You preach that you go sweatshop free, that child labor is is shameful. But have you looked at what you've done to many of us girls? Let's figure out where we're going to make money right now. Okay, so things have evolved since you guys were around. I'm having more of a vision okay. as to what's going to get done, and things are getting more competitive and more serious, okay? I'm sitting in the car with Dove, and his moods, they can be extremely unpredictable. Sometimes he's cracking jokes and talking passionately about manufacturing in Los Angeles, but then other times he can be sulky and dismiss my questions. What, when, you, when you say more competitive... Well, I, I'm not going to define everything for you right now, but it, it's like, you know, you're like a, a journalist. You're trying to break it down, right? But it's not broken down. It's still foggy. But in the fog, I see an island. Okay? <laughs> okay? Sometimes Dove swears, and there will be a little bit of that in this episode. Lots of people have told me Dove has an extreme personality, a personality that inspires extreme reactions in people, both positive and negative. Over the course of reporting this story, we've talked to more than 150 people, and many of them are very loyal to Dove. The love they feel for him is intense and palpable. Then there are others who have told us about disturbing and shocking experiences they had working with Dove. These stories will be part of our series in later episodes. The one thing that people agree on is that Dove is charismatic. He's good at convincing people that they're doing something important because he's so good at convincing himself. You have to bullshit yourself a little bit because when everybody believes, when everybody believes your bullshit and you start believing your bullshit too, it can actually like just manifest itself that it just, it happens. Because you believe it's gonna happen and everybody's so convinced it's gonna happen 
that shit starts to happen. That would have never happened had you, you know, been a little bit more realistic about life. On today's episode, we'll meet some of the people who have joined Dove in believing his bullshit. People who are helping Dove build his new company. We'll see exactly how Dove inspires loyalty and confidence in people and how that loyalty can take over your life. It's a Saturday afternoon. We're in a large, fluorescent-lit factory with a cement floor. Dove managed to convince the guy who owns this building to give him some temporary space. In the back corner, 15 or so people are working at sewing machines and standing and inspecting stacks of charcoal gray T-shirts. So this here is our first official day of sewing. These are my sewers here. I've worked with all of these people for over 10 years. It's been a month since our last visit. And Dove has gotten a production line up and running, making small orders of T-shirts and other kinds of apparel for screen printers and boutiques. The workers, men and women mostly middle-aged, are moving quickly at their machines. One person finishes the neck of the T-shirt, hands it over to someone else who works on the sleeve. Another sews the hem. There's laughter, snatches of conversation. The mood seems genuinely happy. All the workers here at the new company worked for Dove at American Apparel. One worker gives Dove a high five. Dove claps another guy on the shoulder. Dove doesn't speak much Spanish, and most of the workers speak very little English. Mi nombre es Maria. Maria is a slight woman in her late 50s. She has a warm smile and curly hair she pulls back in a braid. We talk to her during her break. Maria, like a lot of workers at Dove's new company, is loyal to him because of her time at American Apparel. Before she worked at American Apparel, Maria says she was working long hours, for low wages and barely had time to see her daughter. Maria tells us her daughter was hanging out with a bad crowd in school, getting involved in drugs, in gangs. But when Maria got her job at American Apparel, her pay went up and her hours went down. When I started at American Apparel, my life changed. I started being able to leave work early. I could spend more time with my daughter. And this really helped. She stopped going down this bad path. That's why I'm profoundly thankful to God, to Dove, and the company. Dove is a great person. That's what motivated me to follow him. Most people, CEOs like him, don't love their workers like he does. He's unique. The first time I heard a story like this, Dove was in the factory. And I wondered if people were just talking up their boss. But over the last several months, we've had lots of conversations with workers outside the factory. And their admiration for Dove feels very sincere. Many of these workers came from difficult situations. Civil war in Guatemala, rural poverty in Mexico. One woman from El Salvador spent two months traveling by bus, boat, and foot to make it to the U.S., Another worker, Sabino, came to the U.S. in the 1980s. He says Dove helped him get the papers he needed to live in the U.S. legally. Before I started working for Dove Charney, I lived in a tiny apartment. It was a studio. And when I started to work at the company, it helped me a lot. Now I have a driver's license, I have a car, I have a bank account, and we've been able to buy this house. If I wasn't there earning what I earned with American Apparel... I would have been renting a small apartment. It would have been difficult. 
I can see why workers like Maria and Sabino feel so indebted to Dove. He was paying them well above the industry average. People were able to send their kids to college and do basic things like go out to eat with their families. When American Apparel went public, Dove gave them all shares in the company. Most clothing companies were outsourcing their manufacturing to factories overseas, to places like China and Bangladesh, where labor and materials were cheaper. But when you ask Dove why he was determined to make clothes in America, he doesn't respond with any sort of nationalistic pride. After all, he is Canadian. It's not about Made in USA. Made in USA is a dumbed-down version of what it really is about. It's about making things yourself. And in this case, I live in this market. It's a very great, it's a great market. I want to make locally so I can micromanage the creation of a product. So if you were living though in If I was living in if I was living in Mexico Canada City, it would be made in Mexico City. It's not a nationalist play at all. I, I don't I don't even I don't even believe in America. I'm a much bigger thinker. I believe in manifest destiny, which is an American theme, but the purpose of the United States was to bring America to everyone, that the First Amendment applied to people of all places. This idea of building walls, that's not American to me. Dove can talk about this stuff for hours. And the immigrant workers making clothes at American Apparel, they appreciated that Dove seemed to genuinely care about their rights. They'd cheer when he walked through the factory, share sweets and snacks with him when he visited the lunchroom. In 2014, when Dove was fired from American Apparel, many workers came to his defense, protesting every Wednesday outside the factory. After Dove was fired, hundreds of garment workers were laid off or had their hours cut. This is a video of one of the protests. It's a little chaotic. A swarm of people are gathered outside the American Apparel factory. People are carrying signs that say, Dove wouldn't let this happen to us. And wearing t-shirts that say, I heart Dove and save our company. One worker named Favelio lost his job at American Apparel last year after the protest. For months, he struggled to find work that paid anything close to what he was making at American Apparel. Earlier this year, he finally took a lower-paying job making hats. He said the job was okay until he found out who he was making them for. In the trabajo que estoy ahorita, pues, le estamos trabajando a Donald Trump. In the job that I'm in right now, we're working for the Donald Trump campaign. We're making him thousands and thousands and thousands of hats. The majority of workers there don't support Donald Trump, but as we say, as long as we've got work and he doesn't win the presidency, we're happy. This job ends in November, so right now, from here on till then, we have to finish 100,000 new hats for Donald Trump. Factory workers like Favelio aren't the only former employees counting on Dove. He has a whole team of people working around the clock at the corporate headquarters of his new company, his house. We'll go there after the break.
Hi. Um, we're visiting Dove Charney. Thanks. Dove lives in a gated community. His house is a 20-room mansion at the top of a hill in the Silver Lake neighborhood of Los Angeles. The security gate opens and our car churns up the steep driveway. There's a long flight of steps leading up to the front door. On the porch, a sculpture, maybe two feet tall, of a giant middle finger. Inside, there's a foyer with a wide staircase made of natural stone. Large windows look out on the downtown skyline and the Santa Monica Mountains. Piles of t-shirts are stacked everywhere, on tables and windowsills. Dove bought this house 10 years ago for more than $4 million. It's his most valuable asset, and from what I can tell, he's using every square inch of it to support the new company. Every time we visited, the door was always unlocked, with a constant stream of people coming and going, making use of almost every room in the house. On any given day, Dove might meet with a sewing machine mechanic, then a swimsuit designer, then a photographer. He holds meetings in his kitchen, his dining room, and his bedroom. That's not unusual for Dove. Check out this fit. So this is the new look. Today, he's meeting with two former employees, James and Kim, getting their feedback on some new designs. Oh, here's a new fleece. Try that on. James is a graphic designer, and Kim owns a vintage clothing store. The two work together at American Apparel and recently got engaged. Dove tosses James a sweatshirt. This is the new fleece that I think kills. Well, you tried that black one on. What did you think? It was okay. I, I don't know if I like the floppiness of it, you know? Okay, so you'd maybe tighten it. Most people who visit the house are former employees, either working with Dove on projects for the new company or just coming by to see how he's doing. But people don't just work at Dove's house. A lot of people live there, too. Some stay a few days. Others have lived in the house for years. When we were there, a woman and her young son were living in one room. An elderly garment worker who fell down the stairs was staying in another room so people could look after her. To make some extra money... Dove's renting his basement on Airbnb. For $108 a night, you can stay at Dove Charney's house and see it for yourself. Most people living at the house are young, 20s and 30s, like TJ, a broad-shouldered kid from Texas. How's it living in the house? I mean, it's amazing, but it gets a little hectic sometimes because there's a lot of people from all different parts of the world in there. You got somebody in there from like, you know, from Argentina, you got somebody from China, you got somebody from Canada, you got people from everywhere. And was there just, like, this room available? There was. TJ moved to Los Angeles specifically to work for Dove. He does a range of tasks for the new company. I do the social media marketing. I help with that for the, for the new company. And I'm also the clean lady at the same time. So. <laughs> so and how did, you, how did you, like, meet Dove? Um, well, I went through a friend named... Uh, TJ had just graduated from college. He was living in San Antonio, working as an Uber and Lyft driver. One night, he picked up a passenger, a guy named Chris. They were talking about TJ's aspirations, and Chris said, you should talk to my friend Dove. TJ had seen Dove interviewed on TV and was inspired by his stance on immigration. So TJ and Dove talked on the phone, and Dove invited him to stay at the house. TJ loaded up his car with a suitcase and his two cats and drove to Los Angeles. He was excited, but not everyone in his family was supportive. My grandma, even though she's like, in her 70s, she's still like really like up and going. And so she went on to Google and of course searched everything that had to do with Dove Charney. And that was like the worst thing that could ever happen because he saw all the bad articles about him. And so she was definitely against it. If you Google Dove Charney, you'll find a lot of negative stories. There are reports of Dove conducting meetings in his underwear, 
giving employees vibrators as gifts, and allegations of sexual harassment and assault, allegations that Dove has denied. So that's the kind of stuff that TJ's grandma saw. She's like, you know, TJ, this isn't a good idea. You know, you're getting yourself into the wrong situation, the wrong business. He's going to control you, this and that. But I was like, you know, grandma, like I said, uh, it's just Dove's a different person. You, you got to see him to actually realize, realize who he is. You know, you can't trust everything you see on the Internet. And so I'm an adult. I want to make my own decisions. And if, if I make mistakes, guess what? I can learn from them. I think, honestly, I came out here really more for the experience. I mean, he's one of the big dogs in the apparel industry. When I pressed people in the house on the sexual harassment claims against Dove, many said the same thing as TJ. You can't believe everything you read. Dove's different when you meet him. After a few weeks living here, the one thing TJ can say for sure is that Dove works all the time. I never see him sleep, you know. As soon as I wake up in the morning, he's always on the phone, you know, at 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, how do you do that? You like stay up to like, you know, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, it's just crazy. And he doesn't take any days off. He works Monday through Sunday every single day. And so that's what he expects from everybody else, too, is to, you know, go, go, go type of environment. It's like you're in this beautiful house, but there's no separation of work and life. Oh, yeah, exactly. You can't relax in the house. Even though there's couches everywhere, there's, like, tables, you can't relax. You're, you're constantly working or sleeping, that's it. Work, sleep, and eat, that's it. So. And uh, you're not getting paid? No, uh, currently not. We're coming in and helping with the company, and then whenever the company actually launches, then we'll, you know, we'll go to an actual paid role, so... So you're just kind of banking on that? Yeah, that's what I'm banking on for sure. I know that, you know, what he did with American Apparel, he can do the same thing, if not better, with this company. He's very loyal to people that he works with, so I, I can bank on that for sure. It seems crazy. The former CEO of a 10,000-person public company opening his house to random strangers. It's also weird, given Dove's reputation, how many random people agree to live here. But it's always been this way. Amy, a former American Apparel product developer, lived in Dove's house for two years, starting in 2010. When she first went over to check it out, she saw that her new roommates would be Dove and a bunch of women in their 20s. I remember thinking, living there, I don't know, have you ever seen the movie Girl Interrupted? When Winona Ryder goes down the hallway and she like looks in every room and there's like a different crazy girl in their own way. And she's like, wow, I'm about to live here. <laughs> Great, let's do this. (laughs) Sign me up. The women were other American Apparel employees. And like TJ, Amy was worried what her family would think. So much so that when she first moved in, she didn't even tell them it was Dove's house. They thought she was living with a friend. Like, what what parent in their right mind would, like, understand that that scenario? Like, I feel like not many would. Did it ever feel weird to you? To, To be there? Yeah, just be living, you know, in the CEO's house. Um, it did feel weird because I was like, this is his home. But then once you're there and you're fully living there, you realize it's not his home. It's the company's home. He lets you live there. The fridge is yours. The, the garage is yours. You want to like he, he it's it's everyone's space. It's a shared space. It's not what a normal CEO would do. It's what friends or family would do. And somehow, you get the sense that's how Dove feels about a lot of the people working with him, living with him. They're like family. Dove has lots of people depending on him. There are all those vendors, the label makers and the knitters and the dyers, who are counting on Dove to start a company that will revitalize their own businesses. There are the employees who are living in the house. 
And then, of course, the hundreds of garment workers, people like Favelio, making the Trump hats, waiting for Dove to offer them a job. And there may be many more. Just this past Monday, thousands of employees at American Apparel learned that they may all be let go as early as January. I have, there's a lot of expectation, which opens a lot of doors, but I also am under severe pressure to perform. I'm not saying I'm not a controversial figure. I'm not sur- saying that there's people that don't have disdain for me or I, you know, I'm the punching bag for their point of view. I got it. I don't care. But there's also people that have respect for me. So that's the difference. I'm somebody. And that is a burden as much as it is a benefit because it's scary. It's scary when people say, whatever you need, I'll do it for you. Why is it scary? It's scary because I don't want to let them down. People believe I'm going to be making this comeback. I better, I better make this comeback. I have to deliver. Dove demands the same level of commitment from the people around him. Like family, he gives a lot, but he expects a lot too. Remember TJ, that kid from Texas, working for Dove for free? He told us that one weekend, he decided to take a break from the grind and go on a fishing trip to the Catalina Islands. When Dove found out, he got upset. Dove told TJ, we really needed you this weekend. We've got work to do. We can't have fun right now. TJ apologized. But in the end, he decided that kind of lifestyle, all work, all the time, it was just too much for him. So he packed up his car and his cats and went back to Texas, to his real family, who he missed a lot. After the break, we'll be back with scenes from the next episode of Startup. Next week on Startup, we take a look at one of Dove's many controversies, the American apparel ads. He saw the world from a very sexual, powerful place for a while. At least that's what I saw in his pictures. Like his pictures were, they spoke volumes and it was just like the fact that the girl's, I don't know, girl's mouth was open a certain way. I don't know how to explain it. That's next time on Startup. Startup is hosted by me, Lisa Chow. Our show is produced by Bruce Wallace, Luke Malone, Molly Messick, and Simone Palanin. Our senior producer is Caitlin Roberts. We are edited by Alex Bloomberg, Peter Clowney, Alexandra Johns, and Caitlin Kenny. Fact-checking by Michelle Harris. Special thanks to Leonor Harado, Roxandra Guidi, Rachel Strom, and Wendy Dorr. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song, the new version of the theme song by the very skilled Bobby Lord. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. Original music by the band HotMoms.gov, which includes the Reverend John Delore, Jordan Scanella, Sam Merrick, Isamu McGregor, and Curtis Brewer. Music direction by Matthew Boll. Martin Peralta and Andrew Dunn mixed the episode. To subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes or check out the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>